Yo, what is going on, everybody? Isaac Mashman here. Welcome back to another episode of Chase the Vision with Isaac Mashman, the podcast that is all about helping you become a more capable individual through the means of personal and self-development. I'm a believer that at the center of all achievement is personal growth. Now, I am doing something special tonight that I have not done in literally years, and that is having a guest on for an interview, for a conversation where we talk about their successes, we talk about their careers, we talk about what made them successful or what is helping them become successful and increase their levels of success. So, you know, this is something that I've steered away from for a long time because I wanted to build up the audience and I wanted to build up the show by myself without relying on the audiences of other people. But then I was realizing that I kind of was holding myself back because I could demonstrate the kind of people that I have in my network. I could get other people's stories out there and I could deliver more value to you. And so today I actually have a returning guest, but he's going by a different name. Now, we had a podcast episode a couple of years ago, and it was a live episode where I was sitting right across the room from him in Bakersfield, California, and he was going by the name of Young Spitta. And to this day, that was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done with anybody as a guest or as a host. And today I have him back via Zoom, and he is now known as Noble. Noble, what is going on, man? How are you doing? What's up? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, man. Good. Now, hey, so this is just going to be a very simple you know, conversation style interview. Now, obviously, we've been friends for a long time. We've seen a lot of you know, each other's growths in many, many different ways. Um, but go ahead and start off by introducing yourself, what you're doing, you know, your artist name, all the above. Yeah, uh, I'm Noble. Uh, I run Undefined Records. I make music in Bakersfield, California, uh, California-based, stay here. And yeah, I just came out with a new project about three, four months ago called The Places You'll Go. to dropped a music video called Hollywood, all on YouTube, all on all platforms. So yeah. Okay. Love it, man. Love it. Now, you know, I know that you used to go by a different name and I don't want to tell the story myself, but I'd rather you tell the story of kind of that transition you made from being just an individual going towards, a, you know, a career in music and then kind of taking another leap of faith, taking it, taking it more professional. Let's talk business one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, well, basically I started off with the name Young Spitta, which it was just like a kind of like a joke name when it started off, but when I first started making music, I didn't think it was going to be something serious or something. Mm-hmm. I'm, still, I'm about to turn 23 and I'm still doing this. So, And how long have you been making music for? Uh, four years. Last time we talked, it was only two. No. Wow. So, Crazy. Yeah, I literally just, I honestly forgot about the interview. Then I was yeah. uh, going into this. I listened to part of it again and I was like, wow. And I said two years and it was like, oh, four years. Mm-hmm. From a growth perspective, man, you've you've come a long, long way just from a growth perspective. I appreciate it. That's love. Um, but uh, once it started kind of getting deeper into it, I just knew that I had to take myself in a more marketable sense. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, honestly, you uh, you really helped with the decision um, to you kind of pushed me towards changing my name, as well as uh, Ness, one of my artists. Right. Uh, both of you guys helped right. me push me towards it. And I'm thankful for it now because I'd rather people call me noble than young spit. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a level of growth, you know? Well, you know, from that perspective, man, you know, young spit, you had currency, he was going by Spitta. You had another artist going by young Spitta, And so you had to worry about SEO. You had to worry about people getting you mixed up. And also young Spitta sounded too much like a, a SoundCloud name and not, not so much like a, an actual artist. Yeah, and I don't even make rap music. Right. Yeah. Not rap at all anymore. So there's no reason to have that name. 
And that's the complete irony of all this, man, because, you know, you've transitioned from this single genre kind of rapper. And even then, I don't think you ever started out just as a rap artist, but you leaned more towards rapping. And then now you're moving into these different genres of, of almost like pop rap. You're moving into the genres of, you know, progressive rock. And it's, it's, it's just very, very interesting to see, too. And the songs that you would expect to do the least well, like when it comes to performance are actually the ones that are doing the best. You know, I think that's, that's wild. Now you name dropped someone a minute ago and that was Ness. And, uh, you know, you actually manage an artist named Ness Julius, but tell me about, you know, tell the audience a little bit about you and Ness's relationship and what you have going on at Undefined. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so I manage an artist named Ness Julius, same city, California based, uh, by far one of the most talented people in my city. I would say most talented, but I'm biased. So people probably aren't going to listen. Um, but check out his music if you don't believe me. He's amazing. Uh, he got a project coming out soon. I'm excited for that one. We're going to push it hard and big things coming for him in the future. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. You get a plaque up. Mm. <laughs> Working the- towards that. Yeah. Now, now talking about, you know, from a networking sense, I think that that was very important when it comes to working with Ness. And it's a, it's a funny story of how that happens. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to share the story of how you started working with Ness, or I could share the story, but I think that that right there is just perspective. What? I think it'd be better from your perspective. You okay. Know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the people who are who are listening, and a lot of people who have been following me, know that I, you know, took a flight out to Bakersfield, California. I was literally sleeping on the ground, um, really just experiencing life, experiencing adulthood for the first time, and that that expression of freedom. And <laughs> one day that we were hanging out. Um, I don't think it was even for a business standpoint. It was just, you know, us being friends and, and chilling and you're taking me back to, to the house and you're dropping me off and you started playing music from an artist named Ness Julius. And I think that it was cool because you were saying that he's one of the most talented people in your city. And I'm like, well, do you know him personally? And you're like, nah, <laughs> nah, I don't. And I was like, you're from the same city. You also make music. And you mean to tell me that you don't know who this guy is. And then from there, it, it was hilarious how it worked out because I hit him up on Instagram and then a week later he was over at the house and we were recording a podcast episode. And then I put him in contact with you. And then that's when I already left Bakersfield and I was on my sweet little trip over overseas to France and whole nother story for another time that I, I might go into more detail about eventually. But um, next thing I know, you started working together as his manager and now you're over a year in to, to managing him and having that working relationship. And that just shows you the power of networking, you know, because I remember the first time that I made that introduction you and him had that chemistry of just playing off of one another and just having that conversation about business, about music, about lyrics. And that resulted in, you know, going into the studio um, at 4 a.m., you know, 4 a.m. sessions and recording some of the best music that I've arguably ever heard, um, mm-hmm. such as End of the Night. You know, that that was a, a by chance scenario. And um, yeah, I, I just think that that was really, really crazy. Anything to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, it is really good. On End of the Night, still one of my favorite records on the places you'll go, like, that's a timeless record because of the way that it happened and the sound of it. I mean, it's, it's a dope R&B record and I don't really have anything like it. So right. song right. Me and my artist made, like it's always going to be something special to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just that whole experience was, I mean, it's kind of meant to be, and that's kind of how I try to move. Uh, mm-hmm. I never try to force anything or make something out of, I'm, I try to make things out of nothing, but that's more like business moves than relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're recording, I know that actually I don't know because I, I was thinking more of Ness's style because I've, I've seen him live in the studio before recording. And that was a, a blessing to see. It was awesome. But for yeah. you, you know, there's this quote that says that, you know, whenever you're painting art, the artist visualizes what they're painting 
before it's ever on the canvas. And so when you're making music, do you kind of visualize what the song is going to sound like? And I say visualize not so much from a visual standpoint, but from an audio sensory standpoint of like, I kind of want the record to have this sort of feel, or do you have any, like, how, how exactly do you go through making music? Uh, when I'm making the song, honestly, I go through color uh, more than like visuals, I would say. Mm. Uh, so I think of a color and then I try to like portray a feeling off that color. Like, what does this color mean? Uh, and then these days I try to get a little bit more, uh, how can I say, explorative with song concepts. So mm-hmm. I'll try to think like, what's something that like is going to surprise people that hasn't really had a song about it before. Yeah. Um, so I go, I do all those things and then I write off of that. And uh, I just spend months these days just patting down that record and making sure right. that's of it that it possibly can be. And after that, uh, mixing wise, I do uh, kind of like hear it before it's done though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think what I wanted to sound like and he gets the job done. You mentioned color and, you know, you and I are both big on branding and, and the colors behind a brand. And, you know, a, a lot of times people think that a logo and the brand colors is all that goes into building a brand. And those are just parts and aspects of one. And when it comes to, you know, color schemes, different colors give you different feelings. You know, blue is oftentimes associated with calmness and coolness. And then green is associated with wealth or growth. And so when we're talking about, you know, making music and kind of the association of color with the emotion behind it, that also goes directly with you, you know, what kind of colors you're portraying with the brand, with the clothes that you're wearing. And now with your projects, I kind of want to talk about that really quick because you had an amazing project, you know, back in 2019 that I still consider a classic just in the the visual visualization that you, you know, did with that project. It's super short, but, you know, a, a short but true story was an entirely different feel than the places you'll go. But the one interesting thing about that is the colors behind that are super bright, vibrant, almost like Candy Crush. Um, I'm trying to think of, of the better example. You know, there's this old game that I used to play when I was a kid that was like a Candyland. It was Candyland. And I remember playing that game. And that's kind of the feeling that it took me back to when, you know, I saw the cover art for the places you go. But what was your thought process behind the colors you chose? And then also the colors with, you know, the clothing that you started to wear and photo shoots? And videos uh, yeah so uh well the short but true story uh like i've said i think i've said before a couple of times but uh basically it was just different i kind of base my life up periods like i go through different stages and mm-hmm. things happen and i continue to progress and it shows in the music like it can't not come out in the music unless the music is something ingenuine um so with the short but true story it was kind of like a like a last hurrah for like the the dark phase i would say that uh just me like feeling a certain type mm-hmm. of way um and then going into this project it was kind of like i wanted it to be like a rebirth so i was like there's no need for a rebirth to be dark uh, mm-hmm. it should be a celebration almost and that's how i wanted to go into it and i uh randomly i thought about a, a book that i read as a kid and it's called uh all the places you'll go by dr seuss and mm. I saw that cover and I was like, that's so cool. And I loved just the places you'll go. I was like, that's like so many people can relate to the concept of like going place to place, not only physically, but mentally going through all these stages of life, seeing all these different things, experiencing all these different things, and then ha- helping that guide you and have that kind of like portray who you are. So. Mm. Mm, interesting. Something that you said, man, like stood out as a, as a quotable quote by Noble. And that was 
there's no reason why rebirth should be dark. And that makes me think about a lot of people who believe that it's too late to change or it's too late to, to maybe make a lifestyle change or change career paths. You know, a lot of people think that after 10 years, they're already so deep into a job that they have to continue with that job or into their solo career as, you know, let's say an artist. And I think that those mental blocks can really get in the way of our performance and like going and pursuing the things that we actually want to pursue. And so do you think that there's ever, like a science that goes into you know, choosing a rebirth or like some methods, because obviously you had to make a kind of a calculated um, decision to, to transition one from young Spitta dropping, you know, a short, but true story as young Spitta and then dropping, you know, the places you'll go as noble. So when you're doing that rebirth, what were some of the things that kind of were in your way mentally and how did you overcome those obstacles? Uh, I think honestly, one thing that stops, I mean, it's change. One thing that kind of stops people from doing stuff like that change is uncomfortable as everyone always says. Hmm. It's true. Change is uncomfortable, but a lot of times it's necessary. Just like you navigate a business, you have to navigate yourself as an artist. Mm. Uh, if you're not growing, then you're dying. You're not growing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no reason for you to be existing. Um, so I had to kind of get rid of that fear of, oh, I'm going to lose these songs that I made. Mm. Uh, I'm going to lose some name recognition, but I mean, I could get, get that all back. And I recognize that and I knew what was coming. Uh, mm. I knew the records I had coming. I still know the records I had coming. So I never trip on anything like that. Um, mostly these days, like once you've been making music for this long, it's just, you just do what you want to do. And if people love it, love it, then they love it. If mm. not, then you still love it. So coming into this, like an artist that's been in the game for two decades, uh, I love the energy, dude. And it, it sounds to me like you're, you're basically explaining those things as necessary sacrifices, things that you just have to let go right? It's like, you know, you have that weight and it's like, is there, I I use the example, and this is what I do whenever I'm on a call with a client who feels like they're trapped in a box. They're not expressively trapped in a physical box, but it's like those mimes in France. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen like those things as a kid, you know, they're, they're these street performers that dress up in black and white costumes, um, almost like a 1930s, you know, movie. And they're doing these different hand motions, like they're in a box. And that's what we do mentally. That's what we do with our careers. That's what we do with our businesses. Now, you're one of the artists that the, the reason I say that you are one of the best in Bakersfield, and I'm not saying this to, to brown nose you or boost your ego because you do enough of that yourself and uh, I love you, but uh, <laughs> more so in a way of you do handle things like a business and you're willing to treat it as such. A lot of people, I can think of a lot of people locally because I was in Bakersfield, there's a lot of talent, but there are a lot of people who will never make it far because they don't treat what they got going on as an actual business. So what made you get involved with that? And then, you know, I don't know if you're, you know, to the audience, if you're watching this on video formats uploaded on YouTube, you can see in the background, he's actually in a studio right now. To his left, you have his recording booth, where if you open it up, you can actually go in and record. And then to the right, you have, uh, you know, the, the Undefined Records logo that as soon as you walk in the door, you see it right on the wall, you have a couch, you have, you know, this different atmosphere that gives you this ultra multi-million dollar studio vibe now talk to us about that whole business mindset that you have yeah um i think coming up i never really honestly it was kind of uh i don't even know how to put it it just kind of happened like it, i was just kind of steered towards it uh, like i said i don't really try to force anything so mm-hmm. when i started kind of starting to do music i started watching interviews and i started listening to like people from labels talking and I started listening to a bunch of business people and then like who? I, uh I started listening to Russ a lot. That's one mm-hmm. person I mm-hmm. a lot. 
um, Kanye, Jay-Z, a uh, bunch of the big dogs in the industry, to be honest. Uh, and people that made that transition from being an artist to uh, executive to these like multi-million dollar people that I just thought was amazing because you're not only a creative, but you're able to boss up and put people in positions to win and mm-hmm. pass on your knowledge. And if you're not doing, if you're not in it for that, then what are you in it for? You're just, right. doing, you're just doing things selfishly and there's no point in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just started moving along with that. And then the opportunity came for me to start managing. And then once that happened, I said, well, why can't I build my own studio? Why can't I start expanding? I already know how to mix a little bit. Let me keep getting better. Let me take on these clients and help them out with my knowledge of how to record and songwriting. Like I've helped multiple people write songs. And I think that's the coolest thing. Like, mm-hmm. and so many of my thoughts and words are out there. Even if I don't get the credit for them always, who cares at the end of the day? Right. I'm not in it for the credit. I really just want to make some dope music and make it. Ever see yourself writing a book? Because obviously you mentioned Russ and Russ did something that a lot of people and a lot of artists don't do. And that's actually take the time to write a book, but it wasn't even an autobiographical or an autobiography, excuse me, but it was a, a book that stemmed from Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill that was talking about, you know, manifestation and getting out of your damn head. Now, do you ever see yourself writing one and would it be a memoir yeah. or would it be like some this is the this is the blueprint type of thing no it'd be a blueprint type thing, okay for sure i don't think it'd be an autobiography i mean i've had a lot of things happen in my life but i wouldn't be too fond of going into detail of all of that all of that i'd rather be like this is how i made this happen this is how mm-hmm. you apply it to your life um, yeah the rest of the book was amazing like i love that book that was probably one of my top five favorite books but i think it's because it related to me a lot and uh i can respect the fact that russ was had that never quit mentality and uh, he's melodic like I am, so. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, for, for being an artist and for being someone who's in the public view, you're mm-hmm. the most private person who I know. And that, that's the most ironic thing. It's like you you do what you need to do to get out there, but at the same time, you wouldn't, like <laughs> to give the example, when we're in, down in LA, I'm the one who's going up to people in the mall talking about your music and you're the one who's just chilling there, just like, hey, yeah, I mean, man, <laughs> Isaac's here. <laughs> he's doing the talking for me. I think that that's the most funny thing about you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just my personality. I'm not fake. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'll, I'll, of course, put myself in positions where I'm uncomfortable because you have to do that as an artist. Mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable shooting video, videos for a long time, but I only have three videos out and we're going to keep shooting more. Mm-hmm. I'm not always you just dropped Hollywood, the, the music yeah, video for Hollywood. I love that oh. video. And I thought I was really happy that other people liked it too. So. Now you directed that video and then your engineer is the one who kind of filmed it and put it, put it all together. Now, what was the artistic vision behind that video? And if you haven't seen that, stop the interview, go to YouTube right now, type in noble Hollywood music video and watch that. And you'll kind of get an understanding of why I'm asking this question, because you have this almost nostalgic California energy about that video. Why did you choose that one? Especially when your album and a lot of the other, you know, the cover art and the different themes are completely contrasted by this video. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, honestly, just like I said at the beginning of the song, I, the first lyrics are, it's 8.45, top of the night, right with the sun down. And uh, when I was making the song, I was like, oh, this is orange as it gets. I was like, this is sundown music. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I have to kind of portray that. And when I thought of a sundown, I thought about, I just got back from LA when I was recording it. Uh, and I love driving in LA with the sunset happening because it's just 
like with the lights starting to come on and everything like you see in the video at the end of it uh it's literally one of my favorite views ever and i even went to the observatory in the video um which is my favorite spot in la by far mm. so i once i made the song uh i think my engineer said something and it kind of like sparked a thought in my brain i was like oh you're shooting the video he's like i've never shot a music video before i was like but you're shooting this one I was like, I know you can do it. It's just a matter of you starting to do it. And uh, I hope that he continues to get work because he does an amazing job with everything he does. Mixing for me, videos, and advice, to be honest. Uh, but once he said that, I was like, okay, we're going to film this like a VHS video. And then once we started editing it, he was like, okay, how about halfway through the song, when it starts changing a little bit, uh, the way you're delivering, we changed it from vhs into like almost cinematic i was mm. like that's fire and then he literally did a, a lot of people probably aren't going to notice the only people that are like into editing and videography but he changed it like how wandavision did wandavision did something really cool where they like uh made a video they change uh the sizing of it mm -hmm. so he go from box to like widescreen which i thought was super cool and uh you can see that at about like the 140 mark i think yeah that's how it ended up coming about. Cool. Now, now you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of amazing videographers and yeah. video creators. And I know that, you know, Drew Shatya is one of the most notable ones out of Bakersfield. Um, who has been like your favorite person to work with? Um, I'd have to say uh, my engineer, to be honest. Uh, his Instagram is, uh, what's his new name? Yeah, I, just, I helped him make it too. It's uh, Mixed Visions. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you always mention your engineer, but you never name drop him. So I'm like, I don't know who to give credit to. Yeah, I don't know who's. Yeah, yeah. His name's Carlos. Uh, he goes. He has a bunch of different companies like I do. So okay. it's hard to like put a name under him because it's like he has a bunch of different branches. But it's Vision Design that's his main one, and then uh, Mixed Waves for engineering, and now uh, Mixed Visions for interesting. Video. Now you've done a, a very good job with kind of staying focused on what you have going on, although you have all these different things going on. And this is something that I normally don't recommend unless you're being a creative who has, let's say a podcast and long-term content and short form content, and you're building up a personal brand. But in terms of business, I oftentimes say that it's best to kind of stay focused to one or two things, because I like to say that the jack of all trades is the master of none. That's a quote that a lot of people use. Uh, and that's something that I've experienced in my life. And I hate to say it because that's kind of a, a hit to my ego, because I used to think that I could do it all but you do have a couple things going on and maybe more than most. And how do you stay focused on everything? I know that you've had some really amazing opportunities recently, um, you know, just things in your personal life and your business life. Now, how do you kind of delegate your time and how do you actually make things happen and make progress happen amidst everything that's going on with you? Yeah. Uh, I think honestly, it comes from a long period of getting to know yourself and uh, understanding yourself as a person. I don't think you can really progress in life without understanding mm -hmm. who you are um it honestly comes from just a long period of that when i was like 18 to like 20 like and that's why the music was so sad too i was so isolated i was so in my own head uh but it was necessary to get to where i am now so now i understand myself i know how i like to work i know how much i could take um so i just delegate my time and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i grind. <laughs> Now, how did you get out of that period? Because that's a period that I've been in and it's a 
complete yeah. bitch to be in. Like it is one of the worst places to be in, you know, where you're just taking midnight walks, you know, thinking to yourself, trying to figure things out. And, you know, there, there are a couple of times where I've actually called you when I was in that period a couple of years ago and it was, you know, two o'clock in the morning for me on the East coast and nine o'clock for you in, in Bakersfield. And I'm just walking and we're, we're having conversations about business and music. And that's where, you know, we are talking about heartless by, you know, the, the heartless feature. This is something that nobody knows. Very, 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 very few people know about this. Um, and it's still personally one of my favorite verses you've ever recorded. Uh, when I was managing Diggy Dirk, we had you do a feature for a song heartless that was on heartbreak after dawn. And, you know, I remember listening to that and it was very, it was at a very dark time. And I'm just replaying that song, replaying that song, replaying that song. And the cool thing is you are actually writing that almost from the perspective of, of myself with what I was going through in that period, because I was coming to you as a friend, you know, talking to you about, you know, some of the personal things going on. How did you get out of that period yourself of rumination of trying to figure all that? Was it just experience? Was it just baptism by fire type of thing or what? Man, I think I just really put my head down and I told myself one day, I'm tired of this. (laughs) And I started making myself more comfortable, uh, putting myself in places I didn't want to be. But I mean, it helped in the long run. I feel Uh, it. I started experiencing new things that I never experienced. And uh, I started to like those things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. And honestly, I knew it was necessary. I think once you kind of know what you have to do, then you're just about waking up every morning with that one rule saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to get there. This is why I'm doing this. Okay. Get out of bed right now. Get out of bed. (laughs) Go do this. Even though you're tired, just put a little more in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's a large reason why I decided to, you know, bring people on from Ashton Ventures. I got into this state where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I hit this invisible wall of growth and I'm like, I could take this as a sole proprietorship or I could expand the team and actually bring people on. And a large part as to why I didn't do that prior was the fear of commitment. You know, whether that be in, in relationships, being committed and, and knowing that, hey, I'm, I'm with one person or being committed in the sense of building a business and having people relying on you. And that's why I've always stayed solo and stayed a lone wolf. I wasn't the kind of guy to go and, you know, date a bunch of women like that just wasn't me. And I wasn't the kind of guy to work with a bunch of people. But then I was understanding. I was like, Isaac, I need to go ahead and commit to myself and get uncomfortable. And that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, you, you know, going back and, and taking a one way flight to, to California and sleeping on the floor resulted in our friendship, our lasting business relationship and, you know, continued opportunities moving forward. What was the most uncomfortable situation you've ever been in in life when it comes to business or growth? Uh, I think, uh, honestly, it was around the time I put out a short picture story uh, because at that time it was in the transitional phase of me quitting actual work mm. and starting undefined. So there was basically no monetary income through this time. <laughs> so I literally got after a short picture story because projects are expensive. You have yeah. to pay for a lot of things. And uh, around that time, I got to around dead broke. <laughs> so that was uncomfortable as hell. Mind you, like it was like, damn, like, sure, I can ask someone to, like, get me food or help me get food, but, like, without me asking for that, how am I going to eat today? How am I going to make some money in order to buy myself a meal if somebody's not cooking for me? It was literally at that level of uncomfortable, and from that, I was just like, damn, I never want to be here again. Mm -hmm. I just just grinded the company, and then uh, I decided that I wanted to continue to grow off of that monetarily, and uh, I knew that would help my business. And I'm comfortable now and I'm I'm blessed. Again, you use the word business. You know, you're not just talking about 
what you have going on from an artistic standpoint. That's that's one half of it. The other half is the business half. And do you think that without one or the other, it would fall apart? Yeah, one thousand percent. I Why think that? just because I think business gives you structure, and mm-hmm. it's hard to be successful without structure, for sure. Now, what does that structure look like? Are you talking in the sense of branding and marketing? Or are you talking in the sense of you know time delegation? I think in the sense of everything mm-hmm. from marketing, branding, uh, knowing how to delegate your time, knowing how to plan, having a plan. Uh, like mind you, like I keep documents of like promoters. I I do it all. Like I remember one time somebody came into the studio and uh, I had it pulled up. They're like, "That's so smart. I've never thought of that." But it's just those little things that like really impress people because a lot of people don't take the time in order to lay that foundation down. And that foundation is what comes in business. Mm-hmm. Learn. <laughs> you need a foundation in order to grow. And uh, that's what I did. And that's what I attribute uh, my lack of stress now to. So let's talk about Undefined Records. You know, what are you, what are you doing right now with Undefined? Uh, so Undefined, actually, I... And in the works of, uh, we already had a verbal agreement, but uh, we haven't done the paperwork and we haven't announced. But I signed another artist about uh, two weeks ago. So I was hoping you'd say that. I was hoping yeah. you'd mention it. Yep. I'll, yeah, I'll say that exclusively. I don't mind. Uh, so yeah, we're just gonna get the paperwork done, and hopefully, when we have something to promote, because this is more of a mess. When I signed him, it was uh, it was already happening. He already had the music there. Mm-hmm. It was just me trying to help him brand the right way, uh, get him out there, promote and get even bigger. And yeah. I think he's gotten a good amount bigger since I've managed him. And that's just crazy to me because like, you don't know your own worth until you put yourself in that situation. So yeah, it's a thing to get him there. And now it's, this one's more like from the ground up, uh, really helping him, but I'm excited for the journey with him. And uh, when people see the announcement, I hope they're excited. Now, why didn't you choose to work with somebody? Because obviously you're at the point right now to where you could work with somebody who's established or you could work with somebody who doesn't have a brand like this new signee. Now, why did you choose to work with somebody who's starting out versus somebody who is, like I said, already, you know, got, got music out there, maybe has a couple thousand fans, that sort of thing? Uh, I believe in him. Mm. Really believe. Yeah, I believe in him and he has an insane amount of talent. And I think this is a more rewarding road uh it's more challenging but it, i think in the long run it'll be rewarding because i already know where he's going to be mm-hmm. and, I, and i tell him that every day i know what you're going to be already <laughs> i love that like it's not a question of if it's a question of when mm-hmm. uh, and it's about your dedication to this and my ability to help you get there and dedicate time towards you mm-hmm. so. now music has a frequency and I know that there's a lot of people out there now to where it's like, you know, ever since social media came about and the internet and self-help and all this other stuff, um, you know, the secret was released in early two thousands. A lot of people are talking about vibrations and frequencies and manifesting your dreams and all this other stuff. Now, do you believe any of that? And then, you know, is there a connection between the frequency of music and the connection between frequency and vibration and um, you know, achieving success? Yeah, uh, 100%. I believe in manifestation. Uh, I think what's destined to be yours will be yours. Uh, so I think you need to speak things out into the world. Uh, I think, honestly, though, uh, it comes from a belief that you're not in control of your own life. Like things are predestined, but 
if you believe, then what is destined to be yours will be yours. So does that kind of relate to free will then? Like the, the freedom of choice versus like there, there are multiple paths that you can go down, but it's like, if you don't go down that path then you're going to go down an entirely different section, like is, is that still pertaining to free will or predestination in the sense of like, you are predestined to become famous or you're predestined to have this life? I think it comes from a way of thinking. Uh, I think if you mm-hmm. think negative, negative will happen to you. <laughs> that's of course. Just, that's just the way life is. So I think that you just need to be a positive thing. Even if, because I've been negative at times, like everyone's been negative at times, but it's just about literally pushing that out of your brain, every single thought that you have saying, nope, I can't think of that. Gotta go this way. Um, because it even goes in the sense of confidence because you need confidence to do so many things in this world. Yeah. So mostly the age growing up, uh, the generation that's coming up right now, like it's tough because I see a lot of uh, younger kids. I'm not that old, but younger kids, like 15, 14 mm-hmm. year old, struggling with confidence. Like and you can see it by the way they walk, the way they dress. Mind you, they're also young. They haven't gone through a lot, but it's, I feel like it's getting worse as the generations go on. So I think we really, as a, as we continue to grow and get older, need to push confidence and how to be comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. I think you know, that's something, that's something I struggle with a lot. And, you know, going from the kid who used to run from cameras to being the one who's going and doing interviews or taking photos, it's like, you have to switch your perspective and your mindset, but that's all the more reason, honestly, for us to do what we're doing. And for the person who's listening to this or watching this, this interview to also kind of step up as leaders. And I, I've talked about this in my podcast in the past, you know, um, there's an episode, it's time to step up as leaders. That's when things are happening in the country, the things that are happening in life that are highly political or highly controversial. It's like, that's when you step up and let your voice be heard and you become a leader in your community. And one of my most recent episodes was the same exact thing. You know, leadership is for everyone. It's not just for a select few um, but we, we also have to understand that the people who are coming up and the people who do have social media accounts and, you know, who are listening to music, they pay attention, you know, they pay attention a lot closer than we tend to believe, you know, we, we, what was that? That's where branding comes in. That, that does, that, that is where branding comes in. And, and, you know, talking about algorithms really quick. Um, a lot of people think that algorithms are out to, you know, they're anti-artists, they're anti-creative, but they're actually, 100% pro-creative because the goal of the algorithm is to keep people on their platform. And so if you're doing something for the algorithm to keep people on the platform by listening to your music or watching your content, then that means the algorithm is going to work for your benefit. Yeah. And a little, little bit of a side note, but when it comes to confidence and when it comes to you being this artist, you know, obviously, you know, let's say you have this 13 year old kid and something about your music is you don't cuss. You, you, I don't think you've cussed in any of your songs um, other than maybe one or two. And I know that that's not really from some so-called, you know, religious standpoint, like you're not marketing yourself as a Christian artist or that sort of thing, but you know, you, you are displaying yourself as this confident individual. Are you doing this for the kids in that sense of like, you do want to be that role model? Like when you were growing up, did you have some role models that are almost like where you're at right now that you used to look up to? Yeah. Um, a big reason that I do it, as I've said multiple times as well, uh, it's because when I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian household uh, mm. and I still believe to this day. Um, it's never a sense of not believing. Uh, that's never what it has been. All glory to God. Um, but me listening, ha- growing up in this household, it was, it was that sense of, I can't play this music around my parents. <laughs> mm. So I had to listen to a certain kind of music. Like I would hate that. I would hate that. I could only listen 
to this music when I love right there with you because of the words that they were saying. And I was like, I wish they didn't just say these words so that I could listen to this music because it's so good. And I would want to show it to people, but I didn't feel comfortable because I didn't know who would feel comfortable listening to that kind of music. Even people right. in my family were like that, like my cousins. Like I didn't want to show them this because they were saying this, but that was the worst. So I never want to put anyone younger in that position. Uh, mm. Make sure that they can play my music anywhere if they want to, that they can show anyone that they can be in the car with their parents and feel comfortable putting it on and know that nothing's going to come up. Uh, yeah. I don't discourage anyone from using language though. Like it's nothing serious. Like in everyday life from time to time, I use language, like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I remember growing up and like a song would come on on the so- come on in the in the car, and all of a sudden, like, oh, j- shut the radio off. Or it's like you're watching something on TV, and like something pops up on on screen, and they're like, oh, turn the TV off, look away. And it, you know, that's that that's not a comfortable situation to be in. And it's cool that you, you know, are expressively doing that to where the kids don't have to worry about that listening to your music. And I think that also helps you from a branding sense and from a marketing sense of you are going to have this younger generation of kids who are not going to have to worry about that. And that's just one more thing that, that increases your uniqueness and your valuation as an artist. And so that, that's really cool. Now, you know, you, you mentioned briefly about your parents and, you know, it was a Christian household, but when you first got involved with music, were your parents supportive? Did that change? What, you know, give me a rundown, get a little personal. Yeah. Uh, whenever I started, I think they were just a little skeptical. Um, they didn't know it was going to come with it. And whenever I started making music, I was cussing myself. I didn't care because I didn't, uh, I didn't really think like, Oh, people are going to hear this. I didn't mm-hmm. make music in that sense. I just made music. Like I said, sorry. Uh, I thought that it was just going to be a year or two, just messing around, putting stuff out and just for my friends to listen to basically, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people started off as, and that's not anything bad. Um, there's nothing bad about that at all. So from that, uh, when I started going up a little bit and started kind of finding my sound, uh, I think they're definitely a lot more, a lot more supportive now. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'll my mom. My mom's really supportive of it, and it helps out a lot. Yeah, well, I know you had a couple performances. Um, you know, back in 2019, when I was still in Bakersfield, you performed at the Kern County Fair, and I think that was cool. And your parents actually showed up for your performance. You know, you were you were on stage with Chuck, and uh, man, that was that was really cool. And now. That was the summer that was your first performance ever. Now, the fair wasn't, but you had one other performance that was at that. There was like this, this bar that was underneath, you know, uh, the state. What was that called? What, what was that called? Gary's Pizza. Yeah. So how was it being, you know, on stage for the first time performing? Now, obviously, this isn't recent, but this is a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but that was a huge determining factor of like if you're going to actually make it or if you're not going to make it. You know, because without performing, you know, most artists too, the majority of their revenue comes from touring, at least the people who are signed to record labels. Now, you don't necessarily have that issue, but moving forward, if you're not performing and touring, you're not connecting with your fans. So how was that first performance? I was scared. (laughs) Not going to lie. I was definitely scared, but uh, I found every single time I perform, I might have a little bit of butterflies at the beginning, but Mm. who doesn't? If if you don't, don't, it's like I always say, it's not genuine. Uh, I don't know if there's a love for the position that you're in, if you're not a little nervous. So every time I go on stage, uh, I go up a little nervous for sure. But after that first performance, like halfway through the that song that I performed, I started getting that confidence. The crowd started getting a little bit yeah. more into it and I started getting them into it. And that's just the best. Like 
I love performing, just being able to interact with the crowd. I did a live stream show, maybe I think New Year's Eve. Uh, and that was cool, but it's definitely, I definitely miss having crowds because it just brings a different sense of energy right. off of it. So I'm excited for everything to start slowly getting back to normal so we can go bigger and better. Now, what, what does the future look like for you? You know, obviously you just released Hollywood, the music video places you'll go is still relatively new. It's young, still racking up streams, but what does the future hold? Uh, on to the next one. I'm, I'm getting ready for a whole new project, but it's not going to be anything big. I just want to do the kind of music that I think a couple a certain mm-hmm. sets of the fan base has been waiting for and that I've been waiting for that it's just music that i enjoy making i'm never ever will make music just for other people anymore mm-hmm. i really just want to make things that i love and i know if i have a certain love for it then their love follows so yeah look for something new before the year ends you know people say that it's selfish to do what you're doing you know you're making music for yourself you're not making music for other people or it's the same thing for being a you know in business. You're building a business for yourself versus building a business for other people. But at the end of the day, you know, and you, you probably agree with me on this. If you're not doing it for yourself, then how do you expect other people to really believe in it? You have yeah. to believe in what you have going on first before you can think other people are going to jump on the bandwagon and support you. And um, you know, it's like whenever the plane's going down, you know, you, the oxygen masks drop down, and are you putting on yours first or helping the person next to you? you get straight yourself, you're able to help the people. And that's where the term delegate to elevate comes into play. Um, You know, because you're supplying jobs, you're supplying opportunity, you're helping other people around you, or even helping your family. So man, it's been awesome, you know, having you on for part two. Now, obviously, last time we did this, it was like two hours long. And now for the respect of the listener, for the respect of your time, and then also for the respect of me, um, we're not going to go a full two hours. I've had a Red Bull. So I'm like, I'm running, I'm running right now. I'm flying. Um, but I do want to ask you a question. This isn't something I'm going to ask anybody, but you being an artist, I am curious to kind of get insight into what you're listening to on a day-to-day basis. In terms of music? Yeah. Uh, lately, a lot of blast. Uh, I've honestly, I don't listen to too much rap, but uh, definitely a lot of blast lately because that's a California local. So I've gotten a little bit more into that scene of uh supporting california artists mm-hmm. as well. uh, i've definitely listened to a lot of california artists i listen a lot of ness <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a lot of r&b for sure gibeon's probably uh or gibeon i forget how to say it but probably one of my favorite artists right now justin bieber as well he just dropped his it. new project was good we had a conversation about That's that off camera yeah. yeah now came from that who is your top underground artist? I want to, I want to kind of provide the opportunity because I love making things happen. I love making introductions. Like that's the one thing that like, just, you know, fuels my fire of like seeing who I can introduce to who you, who, and I'm curious to know, like, who's an underground artist that, you know, you're, you know, in love with the music. It could be a Bakersfield local. It could be anybody really. Um, but I, I'd love to kind of give some exposure to a little guy. Besides Ness, uh, how underground are we talking? Because I'm like over a hundred thousand is an underground huh? No, no, under a hundred thousand, most definitely. Okay, ah, damn, it's not Ness. You think, or is there? I know, right? Like, I, you, you got to get rid of the biasness of Ness. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> uh, somebody that's really uh, talented that doesn't get the respect, but they will soon because I think they're going to come up with some really cool music in the future. Mm-hmm. It's actually someone else you introduced me to. Uh, his name's uh, Nate. 
Yep. Just Nate. Uh, cool stuff. We're actually rebranding him. I need to get on another call with him speaking of which. And so uh, he's going by Nate, N-A-E-T, which is a really unique spelling of his name. And, um, you know, I, I was actually introduced to him through his father. I connected with his father through Twitter. And it was a really weird, intro- it, was, it was a weird way to be introduced to a client. And um, from there, I just saw something in the kid. And so, yeah, super excited to see what, what happens between you and him and then what, what happens with his music moving forward. Uh, great kid. You can follow him at just Nate, just in AET. Uh, but anyways, dude, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram at Noble One, the number official. Twitter, same handle. Noble on Spotify. If you can't find it, look up a song name, Hollywood, whatever. Uh, YouTube everywhere else that you stream music. I love it. I love it. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time out of your night to do this podcast. Do you have any like closing words that you want to say? Anything, any last word of wisdom coming from a 23 year old that speaks like he's 90? Just stay on your ground every day. Uh, Know where you want to be. Live motivated, wake up with a purpose and move forward. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, be on the lookout for another episode of Chase the Vision with Isaac Mashman coming this Monday, doing an episode every Monday, every Friday, doing interviews at least once a month. Haven't determined if I'm going to be doing one or two a month, but regardless, bunch of amazing content and uh, be on the lookout for some exciting, exciting things. Much love. <laughs>